starting a new sermon series called Living with Vision and Hope. Because we want to live with vision and hope, right? Who's into that? Ooh, okay, vision and hope. Sounds good. It's a good topic. It, it's, uh, you know, as the calendar turns, it's, it's the time of the season to start thinking about the year ahead. Where's my life headed? You know, is my life driven by vision and hope? Or is it driven by insecurity and anxiety? You know what I mean? Am I, is my life headed towards something meaningful? Am I like building? Is, is my things happening in my life, is it, is it building towards something that's purposeful and meaningful? Or am I just surviving day by day and just drifting through life? Good questions, right? Does, do you ever think about that? Yeah. These thoughts come up. So that's the topic today. And I want to begin by telling you about this article I read last week. It's an interesting article about a movie star. Have you heard of Andrew Garfield? He's a Hollywood star, right? He played the Spider-Man. So he's like an A-list Hollywood and a blockbuster star. And uh, he was being interviewed. And what struck me about this interview is, is how he says, there is one internal thought or voice that has always been there and it has driven his life. It has shaped his life. And that thought is, I am not enough. I am not enough. I mean, look at, but look at the guy, right? I mean, he's a Hollywood star. He, he's good looking, right? Good looks. He's got money. I mean, star of Spider-Man, probably got 20 million for that, right? He's got fame. He's got riches. If he is not enough... Who is? Right? I mean, what a terrible thought. But has a thought like that ever occurred to you? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I am not enough. I have. Anyone else? It comes, right? And it's just terrible. Terrible voice, isn't it? When it comes and makes its home in your head. It's terrible. But this can also work for you to some extent, right? I mean, this, this sense of insecurity or this desire to, to prove, you know, you're good enough, it can, it can provide like a fuel for your ambition, right? Again, I, I think it worked for him. He's very successful, Andrew Garfield, right? Like, like this desire to prove I am enough. I am good enough. I'm going to prove to the world that I am the best. That can kind of like drive you, give you a drive to stay up all night, to, to kind of poke you and proud you, prod you to like work harder and work your butt off. It kind of worked for him. I'm pretty sure he's pretty successful, right? 
If this one thought has shaped his life and is that successful, probably that thought made him driven to make it. And it can kind of work for you that way. And this happens to a lot of people, I feel like. A lot of people kind of have these thoughts in their heads, you know, like, I'm going to prove it. I will, I will have more success than my sister. You know, I will be better parents than my mom or my dad. You know, that can be subconscious. You know, it doesn't have to be like all the time up there. It's just like you don't even think about it, but it can still be in your subconscious, driving you, shaping your vision and hope, giving you a, a fuel for ambition. Don't you think? But what I want to say today is, if this is to fuel for your ambition and vision and hope, it will inevitably fail us. It will inevitably fail us. Garfield, he says, insecurity has plagued him. He would have meltdowns right before a performance because of a thought of a criticism, of a critic. And it's just paralyzing. I just can't do it because it's just, I am not enough. But the thing is, even if you succeed, even if you overcome all that, like Garfield, and succeed, if that thought is in you that I am not enough, you can't ever win because you can't ever really prove that you are enough. You can't ever prove it because you're going to always find some imperfection in you if you look hard enough. You will always be able to find some ways that you don't measure up and you fall short. Anybody here think you're perfect? No, I'm perfect. I have no flaws. I don't have to listen to this. You know? Right? We are human beings. So, there is no way to win if your life is built on trying to prove I am enough. Because we are not. That's the truth. I want to read you a passage from the Bible that can silence that terrible voice, I'm not enough. And this passage lays out a much better foundation for us to build our vision and hope for our lives. Sounds good? It's from Romans chapter 8. It says, So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The laws of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Not perfect. We're human beings. So God did what the law could not do. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one 
For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If you have trouble or calamity, persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger, threatened with death, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't this passage just great? Don't you just love it? Just reading it makes me feel better. How about you? It's just great truth after truth about the grace of God, about the love of God. It's just so powerful. And this is not just pep talk. This is not just your you know, religious bromide to just make you feel a little better about yourself. This is describing real spiritual breakthroughs and experiences that have been happening ever since Jesus and is happening even today. For example, Andrew Garfield that we started the sermon with, this Hollywood star that's driven by the thought, I am not enough. He had a spiritual Breakthrough along the lines described by, by exactly like described by this passage. You know, he uh, plays a, 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 the main character in an upcoming movie, the newest Martin Scorsese movie, Silence. Have you heard of it? It's coming out. And uh, it's about Catholic missionaries, Jesuit missionaries in Japan in the 16th century. And so Garfield is the star of the movie, and so to research for the role, he, uh, he practiced Jesuit spiritual exercises. You know, method acting, right? Actors do this when they're like, you know, it's, it's such an alien thing for a Hollywood star, Right? Like, if you play a bartender, you go and, like, mix... You know, you try to... So he did that. So what do you do to act? Now, this is a... There's a set of reflective, meditative, spiritual exercises set up by St. Ignatius. And it serves as the foundation of Jesuit spirituality. So Garfield did this under the guidance of a Jesuit priest. And something very unexpected happened to him, he says. It says, he says he fell in love with Jesus through this. <laughs> very unexpected. Quote, God, that was the most remarkable thing. Falling in love. And how easy it was to fall in love with Jesus. Because you don't think that. You don't think it would be easy to fall in love with Jesus. Because... This is a Hollywood star. 
You know, what a thing to say for a Hollywood star in an interview to promote the movie. You know, throughout the interview, the whole interview, he just keeps talking about his spiritual experience and Jesus. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to promote the movie, <laughs> you know? But something happened to this guy. It, this spiritual experience impacted him clearly. Because later on in this interview, he makes a very surprising comment. It's kind of unrelated. But he makes this comment. He says, It's a huge consolation to know that no matter how hard I work, someone is not going to like me. There's going to be at least one person that says, I'm worthless. It's wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what the? What happened to this guy? Right? I mean, this is a guy who said there's one thought that has shaped and driven his whole life that I am not enough. This is a guy who's paralyzed and has a meltdown at the thought of a critic in the audience. And now he says, Oh, how wonderful there are critics. (laughs) No matter how good I am, someone's always going to say I'm worthless. What a consolation. And, and, And do you, does that ring a bell, that word consolation? He's now even using Jesuit vocabulary, right? We've been talking about examine last couple months. This is Jesuit vocabulary, consolation and desolation. This guy, something happened to this guy. He's clearly impacted. He's, he's free. He's been freed from that terrible voice. And good for him. Good for him. Because critic is like a, a fact of life for an actor. You're just asking for it, right? It's always going to be there, so might as well enjoy it. I mean, if that paralyzes you, man, your life is going to excuse my language, suck, right? Because it's always going to be there. But now, now it it just makes him happy. Well, good for him. He's freed. He's experienced the power of the life-giving spirit that frees you from the power of sin that leads to death. That, that terrible inner voice that says you are not enough. That, that is the power of sin that leads to death. And once it takes hold, you can't get rid of it. Because you can't ever prove you are enough. And once it starts driving you, your life is going to get darker and smaller. And you're imprisoned, right? You guys all said you had an experience of that voice. Is it a happy thought? Is it, does it liberate you and expand you and make your life more colorful? Does it ever do that? It imprisons you. It destroys you. But you can't ever get away from it. That's terrible. But the life-giving spirit, the spiritual experience, is experiencing the new covenant reality of no condemnation. No condemnation for anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus. No voice of critic in his head. Ah, that's great. Right? That's a great thing for any human being to experience. That's powerful. Because now he can have a vision and hope for his life that is free 
from this compulsion to prove I am enough. I am good enough. And that's a wonderful thing because if your vision and hope is driven or infected by I'm going to prove I'm better than my parents or I'm good enough, then it's not authentically your vision and hope anymore. If you're trying to prove to some internal voice I'm enough, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I have a vision of my life so that I will prove to this voice, to this world, to my parents, the parents' voice in your head or whatever, if you're trying to prove to all these voices you are better than that, then you're not really living authentically what you want to do. You're living out a vision and hope that, that these voices are telling you to do. That's someone else's vision and hope for your life. It's not yours. Your, yours has been hijacked. You don't even have room and space to think about your life and you don't even know it. And you're not living your life. What a terrible place to be. And this is why if that insecurity drives your vision and hope, you can never ever win. It will inevitably fail to satisfy you. Because you have fulfilled someone else's vision. It's empty calories. You will find yourself in a very empty place. This is why all these Hollywood stars have problems. And you think, why, why do you have any problem? You, you have everything you ever wanted. You achieved everything. And, and they seem to all have problems. They seem to all struggle with sense of empty, emptiness. Because you start being driven by this, even if you use it as a fuel to succeed, you will never ever win. It's a no-win situation. You're trapped. Have to get freed. So my first practical suggestion today is to ask, how about us? Is my vision and hope really mine? Is your vision and hope really yours? Or has it been hijacked somewhere along the line by these voices of criticism or, or this tr- t- drive to need to prove something? Or are you grounded enough and free enough to really have something authentic that comes out of a free place where you are really living for the true vision and hope that's true to who you are, how God has made you. That's authentic. Now we all know it's better to be grounded and free. Those are positive words. (laughs) But it's hard to do, isn't it? I'm not free. After so many decades of following Jesus and working on it. I'm still not free. I'm full of it. And I'm sure all of us are full of it. And that's why it's important to acknowledge that if that kind of voice has ever, ever occurred in our head, they don't go away. And they have the power to infect your vision and hope. They are like superbugs. They just... Can't kill them. (laughs) So it's a good idea to examine. Examine. As you think about your hope and vision, if there are any condemning thoughts driving your vision. Is the thought of failure ever terrifying to you? Is there any insecurity and anxiety that keep you up at night? If there's any hint of that, 
We got to work against it. Don't use it. Don't use it as fuel to fulfill your ambition. Ambition, it's, it's a no-win situation. You will not win. Work on getting free of it. Get rid of it. It will fail you. We need to ask God for real spiritual freedom, a breakthrough, a real experience that, that lands you where this passage is describing. This passage says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. Love that. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, persecuted, hungry, destitute? We have failed. We are out on the streets. We have fallen on our faces. We are embarrassed. We are humiliated. We have fallen apart. Does it ever mean that we are separated from God's love? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. What a declaration. What he's saying is, there's a path forward that is no lose. It doesn't matter what happens, you don't lose. You always win. In contrast to the other path where you can't ever win. There's another path forward where there's this unconditional, you know, undeserved path forward that gives you freedom over anxiety and insecurity. That becomes a base to build your vision and hope for your life. And I just want to make this crystal clear. This is not just religious talk. This is not about, hey, this is what God has given you. This is what Christian life is supposed to look like. You got to look like this, you know, be like this, measure up to this. This is yet another religious rule, a, a, a religious vision of what life should look like. The passage says very clearly, the laws of Moses cannot save us. This is talking about, Laws of Moses means Bible laws. That's what it means. God's rules cannot save us. Religion cannot save us. All religion runs on some kind of holy scripture, Bible, Quran, whatever you. God's rules is the light of the world. Follow God's rules and you will be saved. And this can become yet another standard or a rule of Christian faith, this is how you're supposed to this victory life, you know. But even that will not save us because you go there, it just adds to the thought, I am not enough. Right? If you go there, I mean, who among us can say, yeah, I measure up to God's standard. Hmm, yeah, bring it on. I'm, I'm good. I do it all. You know, I have fulfilled all God's laws, and I'm good. Anyone? Any of you? We all fall, fall short, right? We cannot ever measure up. We will always not be enough to God's standard and God's laws. Can we agree on that? So that just adds to this terrible sense of shame and inadequacy. 
See, what Jesus brought to us, what Christian faith is about, is just this new radical proposition against all the religion. It doesn't matter who you are. The cross says God loves you and he is for you. Who dares accuse us, the passage says. Who dares accuse us? Doesn't matter who you are, good people, bad people. You know, we haven't prayed enough. We haven't come to church enough. We haven't paid enough respect to God. We, none of us has. Right? But nobody can accuse us because we are told nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell. And that's talking about sin, warped dysfunctionalities, terrible powers of hell that brings all this death and destruction into our lives. Not even those can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, in the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is foundation of our faith. Unconditional grace. And only in that place of unconditional grace are we free enough to really build an authentic vision and hope. That's ours. Because only in that place are we free from these condemning, terrible thoughts. So my second practical suggestion is make sure your vision and hope is built on grace. It has to be just full of grace. Room for failures. Because if your vision and hope is built on conditional things like if-then statements, if I make CEO, then I will know I'm good enough. If I raise very healthy, non-functional kids who don't need therapists, which is pretty much impossible, let me just say, then I will know I've been better parents than my parents. If it ever, if your vision ever goes to if then, then you know you are living in the conditional world. You are apart from this unconditional grace that God has for us, and you are just in a no win land. You will not win no matter what happens. So you have to repent from that. You have to turn. You know, it has to like raise alarm bells. And this is what it means, repentance. You turn. And you say, okay, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go somewhere else. Because God's vision and hope for us is unconditional. Unconditional. No matter what, we're success. Because God's love is pouring out on us. But I have to be honest with you, this takes God. This is not, this repentance I just said, this, this is not in human domain. This unconditional grace and love that brings freedom, no human being can really live there. I'm telling you, I think, when I look at my own life, I love my kids more than anything in the world. But even that love is not unconditional. <laughs> I'm sorry. I try to make it, 
unconditional. And in fact, one of my kids is sitting here right now. So I don't know. I'm really, really sorry. But I'm only a human being. And my love for you is only conditional. I try to make it as unconditional as possible, okay? But I recognize this. There, I'm just a human being. There will be some part that's some condition somewhere. And it is the power of sin that leads to death. It will bring terrible dysfunctionality. I just can't escape it. None of us can. It takes God. God experience. Like God field. Like some of you have experienced. And we just keep moving forward, trying to have more and more God experiences that brings more and more freedom to me and to us. You know, some of you may know, 25 years ago, I was in a very dark place. It's the beginning of my back trouble. My back got worse and worse and worse. And I became more and more paralyzed and crippled. And I just didn't know if it will ever get better. And I got into darker and darker space, wondering if there's anything I can do with my life and getting really depressed. Because I really believed if I don't, if I'm not able to do things, you know, my life is worthless. And the pain doesn't help. Dark place. And in the middle of that, I had a God experience. There was a, a very calm, alien voice that popped into my head, a voice. And I say alien, because it was very calm. And my mindset at the time, it was very frantic and stressed out and depressed. And that God voice, this voice said, what do you most want to do with your life? And that was such a, a different question than I've been so preoccupied with. Because all I was thinking about is what can I do and what cannot I do? It was just keep shrinking what I'm capable of doing. And that was all I was focused on. And this question was from an entirely different angle, entirely different axis, as if what I can and cannot do didn't matter. It was, it was all about what I want to do, whatever it is, as if the sky's the limit. It just turned everything upside down. And, and from that place of freedom, of just saying, okay, let's not think about what I can do, cannot do. If this happens, that happens. Let's just forget about it. Let's just dream. <laughs> let's just hope. What do I really want to do? And, and, and from that place, all these good and meaningful things happened. Church in Cambridge, where it went from seven to thousand in an area where it just no church has grown in like last hundred years. Uh, this church, my marriage, the kids, you know, all of that came from that place of kind of freedom to dream and hope instead of thinking about what I can do. And, and that was just awesome just to go for it and see what happens. And what's even better about that is the sense of freedom from failure. Because I just, it's just dreaming. You know, realistically speaking, I'm a half cripple 
failures to be expected. The expectation is I, I shouldn't be able to do anything. So all this is just bonus. Whatever I get to do is just bonus. Marriage is bonus. Kids is bonus. Church is whatever meaningful good thing I experience or do is just bonus. Just a gift. And that gives you freedom to kind of feel like, okay, so I fail, I fail. Who cares? This is all just playing with monopoly money. (laughs) And I propose to you that you are in the same situation. For me, because of my back situation, I, I remind myself, anything that happens here, this is not something I could have ever hoped for. So this is all bonus. So even if it goes south, don't worry about it. It's all bonus. I propose to you, all of you are in the same boat. None of you have worked to be born. It's undeserved. Every day, every good thing in your life, every good relationship, every pleasurable moment, every meaningful thing you do, it's all a gift. Agreed? Amen. We are all playing with bonus money. What a liberating thought, right? And so who cares about failure? God loves you. And there's a bright future for you. No matter what. In the love of God, the grace of God. This is the place of freedom. This is what I want all of us to experience and live out of and build our vision and hope for our future. And this will bring health and life and joy, expanding miraculous supernatural life. So let's just keep going for God. Yes? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you have unconditional grace and love for each and every one of us sitting here. I pray right now that we would have an experience as we move into worship this morning that we would have an experience of the power of the life-giving Spirit of God that frees us from these entrapping, imprisoning voices and forces that trap us into the conditional world, into lies about our lives that only bring misery. We pray now for this liberating, wonderful power of the Holy Spirit. Come now. Free us, even this morning, to live by grace, live in freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.